this place called Bone Up uh, Brewery. They're out of um, Everett, Massachusetts, and they're owned and operated by metalheads. And they do this really great thing where they collaborate with local metal bands and create a beer based on a song or an album. So there was this band called Glacier. I actually interviewed them. Mm. I actually met them at Bone Up because they did a collab. They have this... um, this album called No Light Ever. And it's like a doom post-metal album. And they they made a beer called No Light Ever that's like a, a stout that's really good. All right. So they do like cool stuff like that. Like they take a song or an album or whatever, and they create a beer based on the song. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. They're really cool people. They're, it's, they're, and you go there and it's like you can, I mean, they're all, you're listening to metal. They're metal looking. They're just metal guys. We have a bit of that here too, right? Based on a song, kind of. What do you mean? There's this alcohol-free uh, uh, Iron Maiden version as well, because we do have our Swedish Iron Maiden beer line. Oh yeah, so yeah, yeah. but it's running a, free. Running free, yeah, that's the alcohol-free <laughs> version. Actually, the most tasty alcohol-free beer I've tasted. It's pretty good. I like it quite a bit. And then, you know, of course, you know, I mean, like, I th- I, th- I feel like it's more common these days that that breweries do this kind of thing where they do, you know, they'll do like a small run of like. Um, and there's an Opeth beer you can get here, which is... Uh, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Didn't um, know that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think, I mean, people, is part of merchandising, right? People have oh, to yeah. diversify. They have to make their money somehow. The Deftones have some beer, because I get keep getting a thing from Craft Shack, but it's, um, it's an alcohol-free beer. Well, yeah, I mean... I'm not a big Deftones fan anyway, so I don't need to drink their beer. I, I do like some of the songs, but not not, not enough to be drinking... Not enough to drink their beer? Drink no, not enough beer. to go alcohol-free. They're pretty no. cool. It's a cool band. They're never going to go alcohol-free for that. I like them, but uh, they they have a sound which is very fabricated, so it's hard for them to do it live. I like the early stuff, the Chino stuff, and then yeah. after he died, it just... Around the Fur. That's a great album. White Pony yeah. is great. Yeah. Might be the first. That's uh, Around the Fur is probably my favorite. It's some song like... Drive far away from here. Something oh, be, like be that. quiet and drive far away. Yeah, exactly. That's a good yeah, song. That's a good song. No, I mean, I, so I, I, I mean, we, I, uh, there he is. Yeah, sorry, guys. Yeah. I was sitting here. I didn't see your other message, Eric. No, All no, I saw sorry. was Jonathan's message. I've been sitting here for like five minutes and I was like, oh no, John, Eric sent the link. So sorry about that. I, I like how, I like how we're all wearing glasses. Yeah. <laughs> Nerds. Yep. Hi, John. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Nice to meet you too. Tribute to rock and ribs. I have some baby rack ribs here. They're warming up. <laughs> Very nice. Nice. Have you been there since? Since last? Have I been there? I've only. Yeah. I thought, gosh, last time I was here, it would have been before the the pandemic. It was actually with Leif. I think was the last time I was. Okay. I was there. I took him and his wife there. So. I've never been there, and it's funny because my cousin lives right down the street. And I just have never gotten there. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. I mean, if you're a Maiden fan, yeah. it's definitely a must-do. If you're anywhere, did you did you see um, Nico's band while you were down there? 
No, no. I, I live kind of, you know, I'm probably know three hours up. away from that, three, three and a half hours. That's all? From the Tampa Bay area? That's longer than that. Well, it's four hours to Miami. So where he is, I don't I don't know exactly. Oh. He's, he's so you, four... Are you south of Tampa then? No, no. I'm I'm like North Tampa, but he's uh, Mick, uh, Nico's place is in, I think, Fort Lauderdale, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's in the Coral Springs. Right. So I, I don't, I've never driven directly to rock and ribs. I've always, the two times I went there, we were going on a cruise. So we were in Miami and oh, we drove okay. to rock and ribs from Miami. So I've oh, never okay. driven, yeah. driven directly there. I think people sometimes I do it quite often that I, you kind of forget how, how, cause you assume like, well, it's in the same country and you say, oh, it's even in the same state. It's gotta be basically around the corner. Well, yeah, Florida is huge. I mean, yeah, that's why I haven't visited big. anytime soon because like I have people all over the state and I wouldn't need, I would need two weeks to go see everybody. Cause it's not no. like in Massachusetts, yeah, it's, it's an hour here, an hour there. It's like, it's not but, like that. But like for, for me, like when I'm over, cause I'm, uh, I have a friend in Kansas, I'm going to try to go visit sometime next time I'm over maybe to visit my dad. And I was thinking like, well, you know, that can't be that far. Is it, you know, same country? Like, no, no, it's like fucking six hours away. Yeah, it's, Kansas it's, is it's, not. It's, 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 a, it's a continent, sort of half a continent away. <laughs> yeah. Kansas is far from Virginia. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if Florida is the size of Sweden. Not really. Because I mean, on the map it looks smaller, but it's something wrong with the projection of the map. So I think us, us being so northernmost, we get drawn out on a map. On a I mean, map. I'm sure someone has, someone has probably done the work for us on Google. Uh, yeah, it's very easy to find out, I think. Is Sweden. 447,425 square kilometers. Florida. 170,305 square kilometers. Massachusetts. 27,337 square kilometers. So, Melissa, I'm not sure if you're aware. I have a YouTube channel. I am very much aware. I watch it. It's oh, funny okay, because cool. <laughs> because I was like, I don't know, last year I was like, I got to get this guy on my show, and I was trying to think of like a uh, like a good um, a good topic for us because I have a show as well called Metal Chat oh. with Melissa. Oh, okay, cool. Um, it's, mine's a podcast, not a not a YouTube channel. But yeah, I love your show. Oh, I love you. um, I love the Sabbath uh, content. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, they're 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 you know my one of my top bands. So yeah, we have we have a really cool Sabbath video coming up. We're going to be interviewing the guy who did the artwork for the Sabbath Bloody Sabbath cover. One of my oh nice absolute favorite covers. He has drafts. He has you know the picture on the inside of the band in the bedroom, and they look yeah. like ghosts. He has a bunch of pictures from that session all the guys are standing there in their underwear for that for that picture it's funny he has all these extra pictures he has is he gonna drafts. let you show those i think so he sent them to us so oh, well, I'm assuming right. he's gonna yeah he's gonna let us let us do that so so did he do both the uh the drawn artwork and that photograph photo work did he do both? He's got the drawn. I never realized this, but the drawn picture on the front, he used models too. Like the people that are standing around the bed, ah. they're models that posed. And he somehow did something when he was drawing that using. So he has pictures of like the models sort of posing over a bed, the bed scene. And then on the inside, he has pictures of the band like standing there in their underwear. 
you know, yeah. posing like fold, they're supposed it? to be ghosts. What's that? A gate, is it a gatefold? Yeah, yeah, yeah in the gatefold, there's yeah. a picture of the band on the inside, and they're supposed to look like ghosts. And it's only shot from like their waist, you know, their their chest up. But in the real picture, they're all standing there in their in their underwear, which is kind of funny. That's very cool. They took some odd band photos back in the day. They did. They I love did a lot that, of different you know, stuff for art. They were notorious for, and I, I've talked about this with Darren, that Iron Maiden, I always contrast Black Sabbath with Iron Maiden. Try to imagine Steve Harris saying any of the following. I didn't know that was going to be the album cover. I didn't know that song was going to be on the album. I didn't know that was going to be the title of the record. I had no idea how that song got on there. But Black Sabbath says that with like every other record. They're like, we don't know how it got mixed like that. We didn't know that was going to be the album title. We didn't know that was going to be on the cover. You know. (laughs) And you're probably not going to see Steve in his underwear either. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Check this one out. It's a really weird press of uh, Uh, Sabbath. Is that like a uh, Russian press? Yeah, it's a Russian one with the Kyrillic logo as well. So like. Blixibit. Oh, yeah. Blixibit. That's cool. It sounds like Blixibit. the Flight of, Con- Flight of the Concords. Oh, cool. Yeah. I'm saying Black Sabbath. It's actually uh, a nice rendition of it with this, these weird colors, but it's in paper. It's in really flimsy paper. Yeah. I remember when I when I first saw the cover of that way back when when I, when I was a, when I was a kid, and that seemed just so evil and cool and just sort of like something I wasn't supposed to have. That's why it made it very fun. It is very evil and cool. Yeah. O- and occult and uh, indeed all the good kinda, stuff. It's almost a little bit. Uh, um, obnox- no, what's the word? Promiscuous as well. Promiscuous, sure. It looks sure, promiscuous. Yeah. yeah, it looks like an orgy is happening of sorts. Yeah. Yeah. So, should yeah. we get going? Yeah, speaking of orgies. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Maiden A to Z. My name is Eric, and with me, as always, is my co-host Jonathan. Yes, and we have two two guests all the way from uh, over there, as they say over here. Uh, we have uh, two reoccurring sort of co-hosts here. We have uh, Melissa from Metal Chat. Hello, and we have Mr. John Gaffney. Hello, gentlemen and lady. <laughs> Good to see you again. I, I usually, even if it's girls involved, I go with just "Hey, guys." Yeah. That's okay, isn't it? I, I I send emails to my to my supervisor team, and it's all it's all women. And I write, "Hey guys." Yeah. <laughs> we had a few on this show. It's maybe a better percentage than the listener percentage. I, I would have su- I would assume so. Carlotta has been on. Yeah. Melissa, is that it though? Yeah, that's it. Three, three is okay. It's myself and the that lady from Iran. Yeah, that's uh, Fatima. Yeah, she's yeah. been on twice. For four yeah, Carlotta's Carlot been on a, a bunch, but not, not for a while. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she's been on a bunch. Made in A to Z, in it. There you go, in it. Yes. So today we're talking about uh, a song from from the olden days, mm. from the mid seventies, I believe. Supremely old. Absurdly old, <laughs> maybe not really, but it's an old one. Prowler, yeah, it's one of the really OG songs, and maybe you can tell when you listen to it. What do you guys think? Well, um, I'm I'm the person who got this album in real time, so I 
I I love this song, but I love this album. What's funny about this song is that the lyrics of this song are so funny. Agreed. And you could never see Steve writing this song now. You know what no. I mean? This is a teenager writing. The lyrics are a little weird. They don't, you know, they don't make a whole, they're kind of nonsensical in some ways, but you kind of get the drift also. Yeah. Um, you know, he's never, I mean, now he's much more cerebral in his writing. He's never going to write a song about some guy in the bushes. <laughs> <laughs> We it's talked about, about a flasher, right? You know, yeah. Flat out it's, about the flasher. It's so funny. Yeah. But when I, you know, when I was, but when I first heard this, you know, I was like 14 and, you know, you kind of, and I just thought it was a guy, I didn't know it was a flasher. Like I thought it was a guy stalking, like a guy in the bushes, like looking at girls. You know what I mean? That's mm. what I thought. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> How could this guy not be a flasher know, though? <laughs> I didn't completely know what, it, what the song was about, but I knew it was kind of like a little bit weird like it wasn't normal subject matter matter i guess but um it's an odd theme right i connect it is a, it is not and it, here's the thing is you kind of go like who's you know you're sitting down and you're just like oh i think i'm gonna write a song about <laughs> i mean i connected to a swedish band uh, way out not a heavy metal band whatsoever called atomic swing it's a rock band mm. fair bit into their career they had a song opening a, an album as well called the flasher Actually, the next song in is The Pilgrim, so there's another connection. But The Flasher is sort of about an artist in that case. So he, I'm a flasher exposing myself to you, and I, and I, want, the, you know, I want you to see me kind of thing. So I wonder if it's mm. such a deep connection in Prowler, that it's about us coming I, out as artists, or is it just basically about... I think, I, I, think we're, I think at that... No, probably at this point in time it was just... It, exactly. I don't think the water is particularly deep on this one. <laughs> no, it's it's not. It's not. He's, Very he's probably, surface he level. He probably came home from the pub, and you know, it sounded like a good idea. <laughs> because you know, we've also we talked about and joked quite a bit on this show about how like, you, like in this sort of era, uh, like on the first album, is there I mean, this period? There's quite a few songs that sort of have, deal with. Uh, you know, so, someone who you know may or may not have uh, murdered multiple women, or is you know, and so this is sort of the maybe this is how he starts. You know, they, he escalated after a while. I don't know if that's the same guy. I mean, or not, but... Yeah, the subject matter is definitely lowbrow. Yeah, you know, it's not um, you know something deep. You know, yeah. that he's not telling you about you know Passchendaele. <laughs> yeah, imagine the same. I mean, like, 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 like. It's so funny. You get these other stuff that comes not too, far, not too further along. That's gonna have so much going on lyric wise, and this is just a dude, you know, roaming around, you know, in the bushes. Yeah, yeah, well. <laughs> reeling around. Even he's not even reeling, around. He's reeling around, feeling himself and reeling around. Yeah, it's. it's Let a, me ask you guys this. Maybe this is too early to ask, but. This is not a song for Bruce to sing. This is not a Bruce song. I agree. I, I used to not agree, but now I agree. Well, I mean, I, what I, do you I, say, I, John? Yeah, let's that. go, John. Yeah. Does well, this work with Bruce at all? Well, there is that Prowler 88 yeah. uh, version. Yeah. And I actually yeah. think he sounds, I mean, I think Deano sounds better on it, but I actually think Bruce sounds okay on it. I mean, it's 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 not totally in Bruce's specialty zone because bruce has more range it's not really in his belting zone and everything yeah but when i revisited it uh just today to prep for the episode the prowler 88 that is uh i was kind of surprised it i i thought uh 
I thought Bruce sounded better than I expected. And there's a live version from guys, uh, help me out here with the Swedish pronunciation. There's a show on YouTube. It's like U Uvoldi, Sweden. Ulevi, yeah. Ulevi. It's Gothenburg, uh, where, actually. It's Gothenburg. Yeah, where they do, they do Prowler at... That and, version is uh, neat. It's pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually, I was, so I was kind of surprised because I'm typically a person who doesn't think Bruce, I, I don't really like hearing Bruce sing the Deano stuff. Yeah. But I was surprised. I thought it sounded pretty good at that. Uh, I mean, he sounds version. good. I mean, Bruce can, you know, Bruce can sing. So, I mean, he, he can't really fuck it up that much, but it just, I, maybe it's the subject matter. Maybe it's just, yeah. it's just something that it's just more of, Paul Diano's lane. It's a pretty yeah. narrow range as well, you know. <laughs> you can definitely see Paul Diano in the bushes before you're gonna see before you're gonna see Bruce. That's in the true. Yeah, that's another good point. <laughs> I, I think also sort of like the as we sort of mentioned, the kind of lowbrow subject matter, I kind of think kind of fits the overall kind of vibe and sound of this era. Yes. And he wouldn't really fit that sound, I don't think, in this this early on. I mean, you know, obviously there's probably, I mean, if, you know, maybe there's an alternate dimension where he was already in the band and it sounds great at this point, I don't know. But I think that, that if, this it kind of needs to be a kind of Deano-style voice on these. Uh, yeah, but I mean, he did do a good job in 80. I mean, the whole, you know, oh, yeah. 88, he did, he did, like I said, he can, you know, he can sing. So you never, it's not going to, it's not going to completely suck. No. But yeah, this is definitely, an, you know. Steve would be mad to hear me say this, but it's got a punky vibe. Yeah, it's another one of those intros as well, which is a rhythm pattern that kind of changes a bit like Wicker Man, um, mm -hmm. also two minutes. Like it, they are old school rockers in that way. I kind of like that, that it's not really like exactly the accent is exactly here. It's a bit more like riffing on, on this note. It's eight notes, but the accents kind of switch a bit. So I listened to live versions and I heard it was, you know, it's not always it differs a little bit, uh, which makes it feel like very old school. 70s more so than anything, I would say. Yeah, I'm definitely, definitely very, very 70s sort of. I really like the song though. If we were on to early recollections, this was one of the, the tunes that I really like found my way into, but. At first, like with many old songs, I listen to live versions primarily. Today, I think they are far inferior, but I just felt the sound, especially on this track, on the first record, was very tin, tinny, you know, very well, yeah, I mean, boxy. The, but the production think, on this record is a little bit, you know. I've actually come to like it. I think John is with me. Uh, that I've come to really dig it. It's that raw. It's just like not really produced whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, it's, Today, it's, it cool. they're, they're still kind of a baby band, you know, I mean. Yeah, and the producer is just leaning back, reading Country Fair or whatever it was. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, like, it fit, It fits, the it fits the material, you know. But Killer sounds a lot better. That's sim a simple fact, of course. But I, I kind of dig it, you know. This one got, this, got some of the tunes, some of the premiere songs. Killer's got some of the best of the rest, but with a fatter sound so it's almost fair in a way yeah i think also it's like this is also i mean is it the best sounding record no but it's kind of like it's a time capsule for where they were at that time exactly so i think it's sort of and that's uh, true for so many bands though right the the that there's a it's 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 a window into that era that that time and space in that band 
it's you know it's it's something that you that preserve right it's like a historical preservation type of thing or whatever you know and and that's true not just for iron maiden but for you know many bands you know and you sort of then you sort of see the evolution of the band yeah you see it lyrically you see it musically you see it sonically uh in the production you see it in the artwork is it well actually the you can't beat the the artwork on this album but i love this artwork i think a lot of times you get bands that will go back and like re-record like an old song like the first album that they don't think that when they don't think the you know production or whatever was up to snuff a lot of times that version even though it's technically superior won't be as good because there's something it's missing it's missing it's missing. It's not it's not the vibe it's not the very rarely you know when you're there an extreme example that i use for this is uh, and justice for all there are plenty of versions with a better mix, within quotations. With but the bass? I never, I never fully feel those. It's like it's supposed to be that weird sound because, again, it's a document of where they were at the time, exactly. which was maybe not the best place to be mentally, if we're talking Lars and James. But that's how the album sounds: claustrophobic, super dry. Uh, you know, it's uh, for me. It's part of the. I guess. I think my example before was. If you make a statue or a, a kind of a sculpture or something that has really short arms, no one is going to say like, oh, this sculpture needs longer arms because it's art. But with, right. album, with a rock album, people are going to go, where's the bass? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, yeah. I mean, it makes sense to ask that. But still, looking at it as art, it's free game, I would say. Yeah, yeah I guess, I guess like, but like there, there's, there's no... Uh, in like for, for like a metal record or like a rock record in general, you'd like there's a... You know, so like, well, it goes out saying, well, there's bass on there. There's supposed to be bass on there, people would say. Whereas I don't know that there's, like, people, like, you don't have the same kind of weird notions about sculptures. Like, well, there's supposed to be arms, you know. So Yeah, so but that, that's yeah. what makes it an interesting exactly. comparison, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because well, because no one's going to, you don't have the the notions of what it's supposed to, supposed to be. And you're sort of more open to not, not having arms, as it were. I mean, rock and metal can be very conservative sometimes. I've noticed. Oh yes, like people can get oh. very conservative about. Well, people too, now want to. They want to like. Oh, we're gonna. We're gonna. Just, we're gonna. Per- we're gonna make it perfect. We're gonna clean it up. We're gonna clean up the production. We're gonna. Yeah. You know. We're gonna clean everything up, and they're gonna sanitize it. You know, so much of the world in general gets sanitized. You know, when you just kind of have to just, you know, take things for how they were, and you know, and appreciate them at for that time. Yeah. So did any one of you see this song live? I know that Eric did. Oh, five. You saw it too. John? No, no, I've never heard him do this live. Actually, while on John, uh, your first recollections of this track, because I know that it was not on the rainbow. So we don't have to go back to that story this time. Great story, though. <laughs> but uh, this track, when did it fall yeah, into your ears? So after seeing that video, the live at the rainbow video, and only catching a couple songs, this then was the first Iron Maiden album that i got and i was thinking about this today that it's if you're not of a certain age if you've grown up with the internet i should say you you may not be able to even really understand this but in an era before the internet before immediate access to just everything in the world hearing this for the first time having heard those couple of songs from the video and then getting this and not really quite knowing what to expect. Uh, hearing those opening chords come out, it was so immediate and so bam, it just hits you. 
kind of the opposite of where Iron Maiden is right now, where everything starts with a super long, slow intro and it takes them like five minutes to get to the point. <laughs> to get started, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Here, it just hits you right in the face. I remember being taken aback by the immediacy of it all. It just, right there, it just hits you. Uh, that wah-wah on the guitar, kind of playing that little melody at the beginning is, is really cool. I was taken aback by how loud the bass was, how present and loud in the mix that the bass was, and just the energy of the whole thing. And you guys were talking, you know, all talking about kind of the sound quality of it and everything. For me, this happens to a lot of bands, right? Their first record is a, a snapshot of them where they are at that moment. These are all songs that they have been playing in the pubs and the clubs now for years they go into a studio it's basically like a live record you know they're yeah. in there it sounds like they're just jamming on it live i understand the band because the band then later on they get better at what they're doing and they look back and go oh if we only knew then what we know now about recording we could have done it so much better but from the fan's perspective, it is. It's this snapshot. It's like looking back at an old picture of yourself and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I had that hairstyle back then or mm -hmm. whatever. But it's it's a snapshot of a point in time. And to me, it's it's just it's filled with energy. I remember hearing it in all the the, the little changes in the song, the double time things. I, I use this expression on my YouTube channel, gear changes, where mm -hmm. the song just, right. you know, all of a sudden it goes faster, all of a sudden it goes slower. And there's a you can hear that they haven't yeah they haven't quite gotten the formula down yet here because these changes it's like the band stops and then they get faster then it stops and then they go back so they haven't quite smoothed everything out uh but you can hear it you can hear all the elements that would become iron maiden later on the lyrics i never paid attention to the lyrics when i was younger i didn't I didn't get it. There was no lyric sheet in my cassette, so I wasn't 100% sure what they were singing all the time. But I always associated this song with Eddie on the cover of the record because I always thought, oh, Prowler, that's Eddie. He's like out on the streets looking to attack people. I didn't get the whole like, you know, ladies and some, you know, some guy hanging out in the bushes. I didn't I didn't get any of that. But looking back on the lyrics now, yeah, they're juvenile and they're they're just throwaway lyrics. But this is one of the early Iron Maiden songs. This is, I don't know, probably there's some historian out there that can, maybe one of you guys can tell us what, you know, the first songs that Steve Harris wrote. This has to be in that batch of absolutely early yeah. songs. So it's probably just Steve. He, he did the music and then the lyrics were probably just whatever yeah. you could squeeze into it that sort of sounded, sounded kind of cool. And luckily they sort of moved away from from this type of thing uh pretty quickly but uh, but i think it's a great album opener i love the immediacy of it i love that riff i love the wah-wah guitar i think deano sounds great on it uh, we were talking about bruce and bruce sounds good because bruce is a great singer singing the song but this is more paul deano it has a little bit of a punky vibe like you mentioned melissa sorry steve uh, but it does. It has a little bit of this raw kind of punky vibe. And Deano's delivery gives it a very pub rock. You can just picture them at the cart and horses or when they were one of those type of places, right? Packed in with a bunch of sweaty headbangers, the roundhouse or something. You know, you can just picture them in a small club playing a song like this. It's designed for that kind of environment. 
Yeah, I, we, we usually do this with Henrik because he's good at this, but in this song I think there's another case of ghost credits. I think that lyrics could be Wilcox. Could That's be, the yeah. early versions of yeah, it. And it be. would kind of fit what I've seen of him. It would kind of fit this theme more so than what I've seen of Steve. Uh, that's one thing. Also, you mentioned kind of the gear shifts and the starts and the stops. I think this song is simple enough to actually really work with a very undeveloped Iron Maiden. I think it's it's pretty much right there. And it is cohesive. It has a flow. And it's, it's super simple. They do what they've done since with the C, D, E. Yeah, but but it really harmonizes nicely with the. Um, which goes, it changes the function of that melody changes as they go C D back to E, and it's also it's on the wah, it's on the voice as well, not at the same time, unlike today. Today, Janik is going to be there with his nasal tone playing at the exact <laughs> same time. We we are relieved of that here. They do it. First with uh, Dave, I suppose, and then with uh, Paul singing. And I also think this, which is an interesting little thing, I think the rhythm guitar that starts it is Stratton. So the ever first, first ever thing you've ever heard, if you came with Maiden from the way beginning or from the album debut at least, is Dennis Stratton. Dennis Stratton opens the discography of Iron Maiden, I think. That's interesting. It sort of shows what separated Iron Maiden from a lot of the other new wave of British heavy metal bands at the time. A typical NWO BHM band at that time would have had that opening riff and they would have just kind of ran with the feel that you got from the intro and the verse. But it was made in throwing in all those little changes, the speeding up, the slowing down, all that kind of stuff. And that's what really made Iron Maiden stand out from a lot of the other uh, you know, bands that were NWR yeah. Yeah, they're yeah. sort of their contemporaries. Their ability to, it isn't quite as polished and smoothed out as they would get quickly, you know, I'd say by the second, even by points in this record. Mm. Uh, but you can hear the elements there and you can hear what makes Iron Maiden really unique. If that song just chugged along on that intro riff and the verse riff and it just stayed there, switching between the two or three riffs, it would still be a good song, but it would be like a lot of other NWO BHM band songs at the time. I also really yeah, like yeah. the way it moves up to that F chord. There oh, yeah, for the now you see me. Yeah, that's kind of a little yeah. interesting little twist from my from Iron Maiden. That's not a the E C D E progression yeah. is something that that is their signature chord progression. But that little modulation, it's almost like they're changing key there for it's a second. It's kind of like the changing to A minor actually. And yeah, playing F as the uh, as the sixth of the scale yeah. instead and you know g and then that cool it's it's pretty smart mm. i mean i th i don't think they had a cerebral approach to it but in the end if you overanalyze it like i like to do it's pretty smart you know because yeah. to move from a e minor to a minor you're just switching one note of the scale but the mode Especially starting on that F is super, uh, you know, almost off-putting in a good way, jarring in a good way, in a cool way, kind of shakes it up. And uh, maybe something that the other NWOBHM bands wouldn't mm -hmm. do, you know, 
Maybe because they would be more rocking out on staying on the EU. Yeah, yeah, they would just right exactly. Yeah, and yeah. then that whole bridge section, which is really cool. Then very maiden. Yeah, even in this song, it's sort of punky or whatever. You can already hear that there is Prague influence. You can tell that. We can tell what Steve's still listening to. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty grandiose in the middle. You know when the chords ring out. Bow. Over that, and then heading into that frenzy of yeah. which also like modulates up actually to A minor as well, kind of. But I don't think they knew that they did that twice. No, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> so I have uh, I, I sent a couple of links to you. You did, you did, and I have one too. I want to play. Then we kind of stumbled upon this uh, even before we started recording, and uh, I just like to sort of uh, play this a few seconds of a, a song. Uh, by a band who claims they've never listened to Iron Maiden. <laughs> Let me see if I can do this. I'm not going to do my normal thing where I, in sort of like mad fury and say, hold on like 50 times before I figure out how to do this. <laughs> I'm just either going to do it or not do it. And that's just how it's going to be. Because uh, I, I think we have enough of the other <laughs> the other version of. Yeah. So this is a band who allegedly have never listened to Iron Maiden. Here we go. Can you hear it? Yep. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> we were just talking about this. Yeah, wait till the vocals kick in. There's no money, there's no possessions, only obsession. I don't need that. Take my money, take my obsession. That's enough of that. Um, yeah, but they've never heard them, obviously, so. Yeah. It almost sounded a bit fat there, but I hate that vocal so much. It's just the, the polar opposite of what I like vocally. It's so close. So whiny. You could rearrange Prowler into like a drop D kind of cover situation doing that. New metal, yeah. a new metal version. Yeah. Of well, All right, I can so. feel it there. But on the other hand, it's like minor scale. You go third, second, first. Yeah. So na, 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 na. It's very, uh, I guess it's very easy to find if you noodle yeah. around. Yeah, well, either but way. Of course, they heard Iron Maiden. They copied Genghis Khan as well. They did. The uh, Last Resort song. No, 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 no. I've, I saw an interview. He said that they never heard Iron Maiden, really. They probably just have the same influences, is what he said. The same what Ingrid Malmsten says about Richie Blackmore. Like 20 years into his career, suddenly he's never listened to Richie. It's just he wanted <laughs> to flame up guitars because he saw Jimi Hendrix and sure, it was all Paganini. Yeah. yeah. That's why Michael Schenker doesn't listen to any music, so he can't be influenced by anybody. Exactly. <laughs> Pure self-expression. <laughs> it's great, though. I love Michael Schenker. There's a great book uh, by a guy called Seb Hunter. He's a English dude. It's a basically sort of autobiography about um, him growing up and you know sort of finding you know heavy metal and sort of be, it's called it's called Hellbound for Leather. And in that uh, he when he he sort of the thing he spends most time in is is he was sort of in the the glam rock sort of thing for quite a while and you get these tons of bands there who probably would refuse to say they're influenced by like oh you know we you know we motley crew or anything no 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 no. they, they, they all said oh no we just you know we're, we're a blues band we, we, we listen to blue you know that's how we found our sound no no you didn't <laughs> anyway anyway so what do you want me to play first by the way did that work you, you everyone heard yeah. it fine jesus let's get the note you know. actually worked pretty well this time maybe we're yeah, finally we should... figuring out zoom mm -hmm. but yeah maybe do the 77 first because that's something we were on to right yeah let's do this that. is a version recorded version with the dennis wilcox singing right it's an interesting listen mm. i'm sure we all heard it but well yeah but, but let's do it anyways 
So so nasty. A bit the sound of a cat that ate something bad. I'll stop it there just because, yeah, we've heard. <laughs> I, think we, I think we're familiar with the rest of it. Interesting. That was interesting, yeah. You know, it's every funny. time I hear that, you know what I think? I think about how the song sounds the same. Like, they really didn't, even when they recorded it, they really didn't clean it up that much. <laughs> but you can hear the difference in, like, like that section, the da 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 Here it sounds, in that version, it sounds very proggy, like you mentioned yeah. earlier. Yeah. You can hear the prog, and it's because it's very kind of almost ethereal, da 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 but on the on the final version, it's way more aggressive. Da, 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 da. You know, yeah. they heavied it up. Yeah, they yeah. heavied it up more, and so you can and sort of, of hear, course, up the tempo. Yeah, yeah, right. They sped it up a little bit, but they yeah. and they made it a little bit more aggressive sounding. But I the bones like, of that song, you can hear it. I mean, you can hear the bones yeah. of that song. Oh yeah, it's definitely like the melody line for the most part. I mean, the ver the very first part of the verse is is a different melody line but i actually like the way he sings the you know uh you see me crawling through the bushes i think he sounds good the first part of the verse though it sounds sounds very strange but His you can hear that one, little right? bit of a difference though like if that was the final version oh mm, yeah uh, because he starts know? singing on the one right instead of oh don't do it it's just like right yeah. on the wall the whole song is a little the... bit stiff it's a little bit lacking in 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 quiet energy and you can hear that again if this was like if every song on the first record was like this had this same kind of energy level and 
it, it maybe they wouldn't be the same band they are today. No, maybe, I don't, you know, I don't they, think so. Yeah, they added that little extra something is what pushed. That's what I hear. I hear a good song, yeah. and then with the addition of the other guys, it gets pushed over the top. Yeah, but to Melissa's point, it is pretty much there because soon we're going to do Purgatory. There's an early version of Purgatory which is basically reggae or ska. So that's a way bigger. It sounds difference. that that that. Differ, differs quite a bit, I think. Yeah, from. we'll get there soon, so we're not going to tread yeah. those waters at this time, but that's a bigger difference. I agree with that. It, this is pretty much pretty much the song, but if you think the first Maiden record is raw, this is very raw, yeah. very like yeah. dirty, and I, I kind of half off topic. I shared a video from the BBC archives the other day about they tested crisps, as they call them, potato chips. is probably the American version of that. Yeah. And they, uh, I just noticed that London in like 81, I think it was, or 82, was looked like Russia or something. You know, it was so different to London today. So, I mean, if you really think, if you put that in mind, and the, the context of the, these early songs being made, they were made mm. in such a different world compared yeah. to today, which in my eyes looked a lot dirtier, at least London. Probably, yeah. You know. But what, they were in a recession, a really bad recession in the 80s. Yeah, and even the clothes, like all brown, gray, and but they still had the British humor going already then. So mm. they've always been that, pretty good at that. You did send me something else here, and I'm very curious to hear this. Yeah, yeah, this is. Uh, let's not say what it is. Let's play it. Actually, I guess our guest will see anyway. We'll see it in a second. Uh, I was about to play the same thing again. I will not do that. We've heard that already. We can close our eyes if you want. Well, maybe it's more fun. I'll take off my glasses. I won't be able to see anything. <laughs> you'll immediately know which band anyway. As you, but it's more okay. fun to get it by audio, maybe. Yeah, close, close, close your my, eyes. I'm going to turn my head here. Close your eyes and imagine. Uh, I can't remember. Imagine, imagine a, someone crawling around in the bushes, preparing to flash you. <laughs> All right, without looking, do you have any guesses who that is? It's a thrash band. I take I take back immediately. Oh, good, good though. Very good. good job. I take back immediately though because it's not until the vocals it's super recognizable. But still, he's close. All right, let's go. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. definitely thrashier. Metallica. Yes. Oh yeah. Cool. If you didn't know who it was, you would have known from the yeah. 
uh, this is clearly improvised and very cool, I think. It's funny how I was able to tell as soon as the drums came in. Yeah, it was you like, did it before the vocals. I thought, credits. I think it's a thrash band. And as soon as I heard that, heard the drums come in, I was like, that sounds like Lars, which a lot of people dump on Lars Ulrich, but that's sort of a testament to you can tell yes. that it's him. Identity, you know? boys and girls, identity. Well, also impressive, John. Nicely caught. <laughs> also over via the video call, you get a very distorted version. So that was good. Uh, I recall um, my first time I was kind of aware of, this is kind of fun because I, I started listening to Metallica before I got into Maiden. And there used to be a delightful website. I just checked it out now. It's uh, not at all what it used to be. It was called insychmet.com and they had like all kind like like just all the information you could ever want uh, on Metallica and uh, a bunch of guitar tabs as well. And what they would have is they had literally anything that was ever heard in any video anywhere. It's like they'd stuff from like the the uh, the black album recording sessions like even just like a small riff that's played once someone had tabbed that out and you had it there. And so this thing I saw something cuz I, I would just, you know, a lot of the stuff I hadn't heard at that point. So I could I would look through the tabs there like, you know, what's this Prowler live version? What's this? I could just look at the tab. Not I have no idea what it was or how it even sounded. But uh that was kind of fun. So I remember seeing that that I've seen the tab for the, this particular version way back when. <laughs> and then at some point someone uh decided they weren't allowed to have all those tabs there and they were removed. So I don't oh. know. Yeah. Bummer. They should they should maybe throw this back in the set. See how it goes. Yeah, yeah I think they, they'd like to. I think if you reminded them, they might even do it because they are more adventurous with the set than Iron Maiden, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. That's, that's something I always loved about Metallica, and that's a reason why they're one of the best live bands ever. It's because they're very adventurous with the set. To a very a point of risk, they're risking it because they don't even know some of those songs, and you can't tell. It's one of those bands that most of us, if you've seen them more than once, you've seen mm -hmm. them fuck up and restart. I've, I've seen it happen. I think it was Injustice oh, for All. Half a dozen like, times Let's do it again. Let's yeah. do it again. But I, I, I find that pretty cool because that means that... Yeah, because not, it's live. It's a live they're not show. They're overly protective of their reputation as musicians. They're not overly and protective. It, and it makes you want to go see them because you, you, you know that they're going to mix up their set list. Didn't they just yes. play not that long ago? They played... I mean, they've done this more than once where they played two nights in a row at some big festival and they'll play a completely different set. Yeah, they, well, they nice. did. I'm going next year. Actually, they, did that, they did that for all of Europe, actually. Oh. They did the whole yeah. Europe, yeah. yeah. And in the US too, and they'll be doing it again next year. So two nights with nearly recurring sets, setless points. Um, you got enough material. Yeah, but I kind of think is, which also seems really, this is very, it just, there's certain things that you kind of get kind of tired of seeing. Uh, I know there's, you know, you no, know, is Kirk the best guitarist in the world? Technically, he's probably, probably not. the worst, the worst musician in the band, but he's so nice, though. So but also, he, he's say. also the guy. He's supposed to. He's supposed to be the guy there. That's his. That's the guy there. It's fine. You sometimes you don't have to be the. You know, and I think that he, I wouldn't want anyone else there. Um, no, definitely not. But I don't. I, I don't know. There needs to be a fucking headline when he messes Maybe up. Maybe Dave Mustaine. That'd be no, cool. God no. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it's become this it would also thing implode. to like. It's become this thing to dump on Lars, for instance. You mentioned right. Kirk too, or showing like when, but especially Lars, like compilations yeah. of Lars messing up and Lars making fails. Yeah. yeah, and I did a video on my channel and in defense of Lars Ulrich. And is he Dave Lombardo? No. Is he Neil Peart? No. Mm -hmm. But again, it's one of these things like he fits into the band, and almost in some ways because of his maybe his technical limitations, it causes him to sort of approach the drums in a more creative way. So there's a lot of times where his drums are an important part of the song. So I think it's in the, and on top of 
But two, Metallica is a band that mixes up their set list that is can can be kind of loose live, you know, as far as like joke like there, you just have Prowler clip that just showed it looked they probably just, you know, ripped that out right there on the spot. I would prefer that guys making mistakes way over one of these bands that they're doing the exact same show night after night after night where you hear them do. My wife and I go on this 70,000 tons of metal cruise every year, and each band does two sets on that cruise. And the bigger bands, the bigger touring bands, like uh, last time we saw uh, Nightwish, I think it was. Hmm. And this was a good example. They they did the exact same set. Yeah. Both nights on the Man. boat. Now, this is a that's crazy because it's the same people. I mean, where are you going to exactly. go? You're in the ocean. And, and most bands take advantage <laughs> yeah. of this situation and will do a one traditional set, and then they'll do a set that's like an oddball set. They'll do weird right. stuff. Nightwish does. Not only did they do, and I think it was Nightwish. It might have been one of these other bands like them. Not only did they do the same set. But it was so painfully obvious. They said the same things between the songs. Oh, yeah. The guitar player walked up and jammed out with the keyboard player oh, at the exact same time. Exposing their own the MO. <laughs> they're exposing right, exactly. themselves. It was <laughs> it was like a theater show, like where they 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 oh, walked to the front of the stage at yeah. the same time. It was so Man. routine and it was so obvious because you had just seen them <laughs> two days ago. hours earlier. Right. Yeah. So you were like, oh my gosh, this is like, they're literally saying the exact same thing between songs. Oh man, yeah. The exact same way. That it was, sucks. So I'll take mistakes any day over uh, something yeah. like that. I mean, definitely. You get, you get these like, I think, I think like you can always hear you know, sometimes, you know, technical, technical limitations, if you want to call them that, can lead to finding some, finding your own thing that works, to, to find what you can do that works for you. I think you can always hear Lars is playing drums. There's a, a, one of my best friends, uh, her boyfriend is very, very into like, just all these sort of very, like for me, uh, sort of bland kind of very technical, you know, black and metal kind of shit. All the drummers all sound like, you know, like there's no personality, what's, no personality whatsoever. Yeah. And, but he asked one of those guys who probably technically is very talented, ask them to switch up their set, you know, the completely different sets two nights in a row, they, they'd have, he'd have a fucking panic attack. They'd not, they wouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> Actually, and, Greg Greg told me about one of such ilk, a drummer in a super technical death metal band. I don't remember which, but he was on tour with them. So he was out with Seplophile, his old band. Mm-hmm. And he brought up Lars Ulrich as kind of a, in a noob way, like, oh, I wonder if he can do this uh, double bass live. It was when Hardwire was just mm-hmm. released. And this super technical, very accomplished drummer turns to him and is like, actually, from a drummer's perspective, Lars might be the best drummer in heavy metal history. And Greg got kind of schooled. And this happened to me <laughs> as well with a guy in Nagelfar who was a great drummer. He was the bassist in Nagelfar, but he was a very good drummer. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I was in my early 20s, uh, like dissing Lars as people do by standard, you know, by routine. And he turns to me and looks <laughs> at me. He looks at me very seriously and quietly for a while pregnant pause and then it's like best drummer in the world <laughs> like i know that this guy is really good i've seen him rip out take no prisoners completely perfect just now and nick mensa obviously is a favorite of mine but that kind of schooled me to rethinking it and lars also i compared him to or actually ben did but i usually do compared him to steve that i think he has the whole thing in his head he's a visionary in that way he's not thinking only yeah. about drums steve is not thinking only about bass they are visionaries and they are kapellmästare we say in Swedish. 
Mas- uh. ma- the master of the band, the like core of the band, even though I would say Nico keeps the pace and James keeps the pace in these two different occasions. Yeah. So both Lars and uh, actually Steve too are kind of self-thought sounding, a little bit sloppy here and there, but they've got good people around to I tie think- it together. Yeah, I think if you had like if you had Metallica with someone you know way more you know quote unquote technical, who didn't have the sort of uh, feeling for just arrangements and stuff that Lars has, you wouldn't get like some of the great stuff we've gotten through the years. Because a lot of that is him, sort of him. You know, the other guys bringing him stuff, and him, him. He's if you watch like the behind the scenes stuff for the latest album or any other behind the scenes stuff, it's very obvious that he's he's very important to how how the songs end up you know being structured. Let's dip For into sure. a couple of live versions. Uh, I think two versions. So literally, Did you send them to me? Uh, the o- I think you can find them easily. The 05 version and then also the yeah. a real dead one, one version. Because uh, I think that's going to be an interesting comparison. All right, let's it's do, pretty uh, much the same lineup. But uh, it's going to sound quite different, I think. Uh, and after that, we'll dive into the lyrics. Deep into the lyrics. <laughs> Get ready. It's been ages since I heard this version. Yeah. <laughs> Slow. Jesus. Yeah. Wow. What do you guys think? You wouldn't, you, from hearing this, you wouldn't, you would never guess they'd still be around and sounding the way they sound today. It's like, yeah, that's true. It sounds tired, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've he, always he's thought like he's out of breath. But let's see this. Here's a video, actually. Let's just take a look at that. Okay. Same year, 93. Hey, hey, a little bit more upbeat here. Yeah, because he knows it's being filmed. (laughs) (laughs) Dave sounds great. This is actually a lot better than that dead one. Dave looks cool as business. I mean, that's better. That was pretty the, good. But again, I think unfortunately, some some of the stuff I read, in the, the, uh, like that, the, it read is true that he he didn't really, he at this point didn't give a shit, and he would just sort of he'd try harder on the nights he knows the press were there. Yeah, yeah and the they, real the real dead one version to me when it, whenever I listen to that record, it just makes <laughs> makes me think Bruce has already had Bruce has already out. booked his plane ticket. He's yes. just his bags Completely are packed. He's just waiting out. for the taxi cab to yeah. show up outside. He like, already has a long chat log with Roy Z. 
you know, yeah. he's already done <laughs> with bye. Yeah, lots of text messages to Roy Z that you don't want like the, your current the partner to see. Right, yeah. he's just checked out. Those those albums just sound like a band that's just burnt out. And I don't know why especially. they released them, frankly, because they're they don't sound good. Those albums sound like what a band would release at the end of a record contract where they owe the label. Yeah, exactly. So they Such just throw those two things out in order to get out of a contract. Completely true. That's, that's exactly what I think when I hear those yeah. records. It is. My favorite sort You're of, right. uh, my favorite kind of, it's not, it's not really, you know, confirmed that's what the title is about, but the sort of latest Weird Al album he released was the last one on his current record deal. And it's called Mandatory Fun. So I think <laughs> I like that title. It's a bit like your nap enthusiast. Yeah, very. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's 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 check this out here. This this yeah, I was twelve this years. Was, twelve this years very good. forward. Twelve years forward. Eric was there. Yeah. If you look close, you can see <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> right there. There you are. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I'm, I look so ridiculous. Really that beard. Yeah, this is massive. Look at the Swedish crowd just being engaged in this old shit song, you know. This is not Run to the Hills. That's a good crowd. Like light years later. So much better. Night and day. I want to hear Davis solo in this one as well. This is not even mixed by the Maiden team. team. This is mixed by a Swedish radio. Playing by Nico. That's awesome right there. I think the solo rips too. Let's see. Love the snare work. Uh, that's cool. I love the bit coming out of the solo, going back into the 
the uh, the sort of a yeah the ver- what do you call the verse I guess you call it. Was it the, the end of the solo or the well well well? No, I'll, I'll, so the bit the bit when yeah the end of the solo that bit going into the the sort of faster bit here. Yeah, I, I did like. the Richard Blackmore thing with the uh, open yeah, yeah, yeah. E string. You mean the Ingvi Malmsteen thing, right? No, I'm kidding. Actually, check out the Richard Blackmore video I did with John. I think it's the best I've done on on the Alchemist so far. Yeah. Uh, should I should I um, should I continue? What should I do here? Uh, I think we've seen enough. I guess yeah, I, yeah. I want to hear the guest's uh, impression of this. I'm gonna get something more to drink. Keep going. Well, it's night yes. and day, right? From the video we just saw. <laughs> For sure, <laughs> quite far away. It's twelve years into the future, but it seems like they're twelve years younger, right? It's completely, it's completely different. I mean, Bruce, Bruce wants to actually sing the song. I mean, he's still not. Paul Diano in for this song, but he definitely wants to sing this song this time around. say maximum 24 hours before the next part was just a nice place to pause it just for a bit just to kick back and get your mind off those uh, flashers in the parks we'll get more into the lyrics next episode or tomorrow if you will or now perhaps if you're listening in the future funny detail is that we were meant to or I for some reason meant for us to do two songs in one episode and well the first song ended up in two episodes so I guess Made Need Z are just gonna Made Need Z just have to accept that oh well we could try Brevity once or twice again it could work once or twice more hmm? probably so yeah see you very soon again and of course from all of me all of you up the islands and school from the north.